ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا الى يوم الدين before I go any further, I'm just going to make sure that I'm actually live. Because I don't want to. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Tayyip. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bi'idnillahi ta'ala today, we're going to discuss how to prepare for Ramadan of 2020 or Ramadan 1441, which will probably go down in history as the year of the virus. And uh, this is definitely a different Ramadan than the Ramadans of old. Uh, for the majority of us, this will be the first time we've, you know, we're, we're, looking forward to Ramadan without having tarawih, with the masajid being closed, without having the big iftars that we are accustomed to. And so it's very important that we look at how to prepare for what is coming in front of us, as they say, everything that is approaching is close. And so what I'd like to do is... I want to take a step back and have us recognize the importance of preparing for Ramadan in general. So we're going to talk about how to prepare for Ramadan in general and then specifically how to prepare for Ramadan this year. Because uh, there are going to be some common denominators. The way that you prepare for Ramadan any other time of the year is going uh, or any other in any other year is going to be there's going to be some similarities for how you prepare for Ramadan this year. The the first thing that I want to note and and I, I think we'll just go through this uh, step by step ta'ala and if you have questions uh, then you'll be able to ask those questions at the end inshallah ta'ala. Uh, because the the point here is to go through a practical way of really uh, trying to get ourselves ready for this month. Uh, uh, first and foremost, why do we fast the month of Ramadan? If we are able to answer this question, why do I fast the month of Ramadan? If we're able to answer that question, then inshallah, we'll be able to understand how to prepare for it and why preparation this year is not going to be that much different than the way we prepare in other years. We fast the month of Ramadan, dear Muslims, because Allah commanded us to fast the month of Ramadan. And it really is that simple. We are Muslims. And a Muslim is someone who aslam, someone who submits, someone who submits their will and their desire to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. And we recognize that what Allah wants for us, what Allah has prescribed for us, is for our own good. This fasting of 29 or 30 days during the holy month of Ramadan, which is the ninth month on the Islamic lunar calendar, that is for our benefit, not because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala benefits from it. So we fast first and foremost to show our full submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To show him that we recognize that he is our Lord and our caretaker and our cherisher and our master. He is our Rabb subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are his servants. So establishing or what, what is known as tahqiq al-ubudiyyah to establish our true servitude and our bondage to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the first reason that we fast. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, kutiba alaykumus siyamu kama kutiba ala ladina min qablikum la'allakum tattakoon. O you who believe, fasting has been kutiba alaykum. It has been written for you. And that construct in the Arabic language is used to show obligation. It has been written for you. It has been obligated for you the way that it was obligated or now it has been obligated for you just as it was obligated for those before you. So that you attain taqwa. This takes us to the second point after a ta'abud, which is our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, showing our servitude to him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he prescribed this fasting so that we would attain taqwa. So that we would attain taqwa. And as we'll come to see, inshallah, taqwa is about what you do. And it is also about what you do not do. And that is very important because a lot of people think that taqwa is simply that I increase in my prayers and that I increase in my ibadah. That I, but they don't realize that taqwa also requires that you leave off things that are displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's not enough that we increase in the good things while we're still doing things that are displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disliked by him subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so in preparing for Ramadan, we have to understand, well, what is my objective? Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prescribe this fasting? He says so that we attain taqwa. Taqwa is oftentimes translated as the fear of Allah. Uh, sometimes it is translated as God consciousness. And that may be a little closer because ultimately what taqwa is, is that you are constantly aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore, because of your awareness of Allah, because you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching you, you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is listening to you. You want him to see you do the things that are pleasing to him and you want to say things that are pleasing to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you want to make dua, and you want to do adhkar, and you want to recite the Quran, and you want to pray. You want to do those things that are pleasing to him, and you want to avoid those things that are displeasing to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So both of those, God consciousness and fear, some of the sahaba, radiallahu ta'ala, anhum, described taqwa, uh, when, when talking to one of their students said, have you ever walked through like a thorn bush or rose garden and, and there's thorns? And he said, yes. He said, what do you do? He said, at taqi And I move out the way. I move to the right. I move to the left. And so in doing that, he said, that is a taqwa. That is a taqwa that you're avoiding those things that would subject you to the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, uh, this part is very important for us to understand as we go along. We start talking about how are we going to prepare for Ramadan of 2020. Uh, you're going to have to keep in mind that the ultimate objective is taqwa. And I don't want to jump the gun, but what you're going to see down the line is that even though we're not able to do some of the things that we previously were accustomed to doing in Ramadan, we can still achieve that goal of a taqwa insha'Allah ta'ala. Another important element or another important objective related to Ramadan that is oftentimes overlooked is that we increase in the shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we increase in gratitude. And this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says, if you look at the, uh, the end of the ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The month of Ramadan in which the Quran was revealed. At the end of that ayah, he says, Wali tukbilu al-iddah, wali tukabbiru allaha ala ma hadakum, wala'allakum tashkurun. He says, so that you complete the count. Okay, that is that you complete the month 
of Ramadan that you complete the count. This has two different interpretations according to Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi Rahimahullah Ta'ala. He says that the first is that this is a reminder for those who have not fasted the entire month of Ramadan. So they, they fasted some of Ramadan, but they broke their fast on certain days because they were traveling or because they were ill or for other reasons. And so it's a reminder for them so that you complete the count. So if you fasted 27 days and you, you know, you traveled on two or three days or something like that to make sure that you make those days up. OK, the the other interpretation is that you complete the month in its 29 or 30 days. In other words, that you fast until the Hilal of Shawwal is seen. And that is when uh, Eid al-Fitr begins. And, and they're not mutually exclusive, those statements. So that you complete the count. And so that you will magnify and glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having guided you. And so that you are thankful, so that you show shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is actually one of the objectives of Ramadan. And a lot of times, People limit the gratitude to um, material things. That is, that because you are fasting the entire day and it's hot outside, for example, and you are fasting for 14 hours or 15 hours or whatever the fast may be, that now you are appreciative of food and you're appreciative of drink that you would normally take for granted. And so now, so that you show gratitude, that you show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his material blessings. And that's true. That, that's, not, um, that, that's not wrong. However, the greater shukr is, it goes back to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned at the very beginning of the, of the, uh, of the ayah. He says, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنِ هُدَى لِلنَّاسِ The month of Ramadan in which the Qur'an was revealed as a guidance to mankind. SubhanAllah. What we are fasting for, in fact, is a commemoration of the revelation of the Qur'an. That we appreciate the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us guidance in the form of his speech that is protected until Yom Al-Qiyamah. That the Quran is guidance. It is divine guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that cannot be tampered with until the day of judgment. That is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will... Uh, protect this book and protect his speech until the day of judgment. And that is profound. That is profound because no other nation can claim that they have a book that has not been tampered with, that they have direct revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And on top of the direct revelation that we have from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we also have its explanation in the sunnah and the seerah of our prophet alayhi salatu wasalam who lived the Qur'an, who brought its meanings to life, who taught those meanings to his companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. And so it's important that we understand that from the objectives of Ramadan is that we increase in gratitude, that we increase in our thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our shukr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yes, for the material blessings that he has given us for our food and for our drink and the other things that we would normally take for granted, um, that we once experiencing uh, thirst and hunger in a different way that we appreciate more what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with, but also that we appreciate the guidance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, that is in the form of revelation. And this type of shukr through fasting was known in the previous nations. And without going into a lot of detail, when the Prophet والسلام, uh, talked to the Jews of Medina about the fast of Musa, السلام, 
he fasted, Musa salam fasted Yom Ashura after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved Musa and his followers from Fir'aun and his army. Samahu shukran lillah. He fasted that day out of thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, fasting is one of the ways that we show our gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all in all, uh, there are many other wisdoms, if you will, uh, behind the fast. But if we can focus on these three, that is that I uh, show, express my servitude, my bondage, my ubudiyah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by doing what he has commanded me to do. And I do what Allah tells me to do, whether I understand how I benefit from it or not. And I, this is a point that I really hope that we give some attention to, because uh, I, I, the way that I see some of the da'wah of Islam going, uh, especially in the West, but I'm sure that it is in other places, it, it's almost as if uh, some of us are, are teaching people that you have to you have to be able to see the wisdom in ibadah. You know, in other words, that if you don't really see any personal benefit out of the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then, you know, it, it, it really is not that important to you. And, and that's that's the wrong concept. As Muslims, we have to realize that we are slaves first and we do what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us. Whether we understand what we benefit from that from what we benefit from that command or not, so we have to be worshippers of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and that is why we fast because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala made it an obligation. And when the Prophet Sallallahu was asked by Jibril, "What is Islam?" the Prophet Sallallahu said, "Islam is to testify to La Ilaha Illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. It is to establish the Salat. It is to pay the Zakat. It is to fast the month of Ramadan. This is one of the pillars of Islam. Again, whether we know why." Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether Allah revealed to us why he made it an obligation or not, that really is beside the point. Now, out of, out of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy for us and him knowing the human psychology, knowing because he created us, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows that we are inquisitive beings that we do want to know why it is that we're doing certain things. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to us in those Ayat and Surah Al-Baqarah, which is the only passage in the Quran that deals specifically with the month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ So that you attain taqwa and so that you will be grateful. And so understanding those meanings is very important as we prepare for the month of Ramadan, recognizing that it is important for us to reach those objectives. That we reach those objectives. Uh, also, it's important as we prepare for the month of Ramadan to realize the great benefit in fasting from the perspective of the hereafter. What do I mean by that? Meaning that we know that this life is temporary. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst those who reach the month of Ramadan and who fast at Iman and Wahtisaba. Allahumma ameen. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from amongst those who reach the month of Ramadan and who fast it with Iman and seeking his reward. Allahumma ameen. So because we're not guaranteed. This life is temporary. We need to be we need to remind ourselves of that uh, frequently. And especially in these times, you know, when we are dealing with a global pandemic and people around us are contracting this virus and they are dying from this virus. Uh, I know that not all of you are watching, obviously, from the United States, but the United States uh, where I'm at uh, has the worst case or the, the, the most deaths now in the world. Um, and it yesterday alone, you know, something in the uh, 4,600 deaths in one day. And many of them are Muslims. I've myself done uh, Janazas since this thing has started. Uh, I just got word yesterday about someone else from the community who passed. And so we're being affected by this. And subhanAllah, who would have thought? I mean, when you look, when you look back at it, who would have thought somebody in their 40s, 
last month was going to die from a virus before Ramadan came. SubhanAllah. Uh, the point being is that uh, this life is temporary. We're not guaranteed uh, any time. We're not guaranteed, you know, to live to the month of Ramadan, even though it is only a week away. Now, that being said, when we talk about the benefit of Ramadan for the hereafter, well, what does that mean? It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving us this opportunity to turn back to him. He's giving us a special month where we refrain from our normal activity, where we now begin to starve our material selves so that we can nourish the spiritual self. What I mean by that, that we are made up of body and soul. And when that soul leaves the body, then we are no longer alive. That soul right now is inside of us. It needs to be nourished. But oftentimes, because we're so busy feeding ourselves, drinking and doing other things and being very comfortable, we're able to neglect our souls. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us this month of Ramadan to try to reset some level of balance. And so now we starve, in effect, we starve our physical selves, these bodies. And now we're able to focus more on nourishing the soul through dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, making dua, reciting the Quran, focusing more on our salat. And the, and the other things that help us to create that strong bond with our creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this month of Ramadan is a great opportunity to prepare for our meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we are able to do it in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will finish Ramadan having been forgiven of all of our previous sins, being clean, bi-idnillahi ta'ala. The Prophet wasalam, told us, and there are so many hadith that we could go over to deal with the virtue of Ramadan, that's not really the point here. Uh, hopefully someone else has already done that and you can benefit that from someone else. But I, I just want us to look at Three things that the Prophet Sallallahu said. All of you have heard this hadith, but I want it to sink in. The Prophet Sallallahu said, Man saama Ramadana, imanan wahtisaba, ghufira lahuma taqaddama min dhanbihi. Whoever fasts the month of Ramadan with iman. And pay attention here. He says with iman. That is with faith. Okay, I'm a Muslim. What do you mean with faith? Why else would I be fasting the month of Ramadan? Well, why else? Some people fast Ramadan because it's cultural. Not really because of Iman, but because everybody in the family fasts Ramadan. Uh, because my name is Muhammad, I fast the month of Ramadan. Is it really because I truly believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this an obligation and I recognize that I am a servant of Allah, that I'm not on this earth, you know, to just work all day and be a consumer or to take other people's money because they're consumers or whatever else, you know, to enjoy these temporary pleasures. I'm on earth to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Amen. And you fast. It, look, and, and this is how you can ask yourself this question. If everybody else in your house. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbid. But if everybody else in your house just say, you know what? Psh, I'm not fasting this month, uh, this Ramadan. It's just a little too difficult. Um, you know, with the whole COVID thing and I can't go to the masjid and we can't have our nice iftars and all that. That's no reason. I'm not fasting. Everybody else in the house said that. You would say, I don't know what's wrong with you people, but I'm fasting the month of Ramadan. Amen. And because I have true faith. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Forget if it was just your house. What if everybody in the neighborhood, what if the whole country just decided, you know, we're, we're just not going to fast this month of Ramadan. We're, once this thing is lifted, we'll make up Ramadan. We'll come back maybe, you know, November or something like that. We're just all fasting. Let. You say no. I'm fasting. Amen. That's number one. Number two, ihtisaban. That you are seeking reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from him alone, from him alone. Okay. In other words, you're not fasting 
because you're you, you want your parents to be happy with you because you want your community to be happy with you or for any other reason except that you want your reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the hereafter. And that's why you fast. Whoever fast with Iman, Wahtisaban, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our Prophet told us, all of his previous sins will be forgiven. Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah. Now, I'm going to ask you as we start to prepare for this month, for this month that is coming up, where the masjids are closed, can you still fast Iman and Wahtisaba? The answer is absolutely. So you can still be forgiven of your sins, even though the masjids are closed, even though we can't get together for iftar. You can still be forgiven of your sins. You can fast and you will, inshallah, and you'll refrain from those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dislikes. Our Prophet ﷺ said, before I get back to this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, As-Siyamu Jannah, fasting is a shield. A shield from what? A shield from you doing things that are displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's it. It helps you. It protects you. Fasting protects you. And you will need the protection that fasting offers you. You're going to need that in this life and you need that in the next. So, the Prophet Sallallahu then went on to say, وَمَنْ قَامَ رَمَضَانَ إِيمَانًا وَاحْتِسَابًا غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهِ And whoever stands, I'm going to do a direct translation and then I'll talk about what it means. Whoever stands in Ramadan with Iman and with Ihtisab, faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, seeking his reward alone. Not seeking the, the, the uh, you know, praise of the community or anything else. But you stand in the month of Ramadan with true Iman Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And seeking for his reward. All of his previous sins will be forgiven. Now, here's where many of the questions come in. How can I stand in the month of Ramadan and the message is closed? What am I supposed to do? Well, let's take a step back. The companions prayed in the nights of Ramadan for several years during the lifetime of the Prophet How many times did they pray Tarawih? Three nights. Three nights they prayed Tarawih in the masjid with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Masjid was open. But they weren't praying Tarawih. What were they doing? They were praying in their homes. What about during the Khilafah of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq? They were praying. But not in the masjid, not Tarawih. They were praying in their homes. Were all of the companions Hufad? No. No, they weren't. Let's look at the time of Umar ibn al-Khattab, the beginning of his Khilafah. They did not pray Tarawih in the masjid. But they were not praying Tarawih in congregation. Until Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu jama'ahum. And he brought them all together behind one imam. Uh, it was Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And then others who would lead the sahaba. And then that became the practice of the Muslims from that time until today. Now, what does that mean for us? How do we get this reward of standing in Ramadan, Iman and Wahtisaba. Now, standing here, as the scholars of Hadith mentioned, it refers to the night prayer. It refers to the night prayer, meaning the prayer that is after Salat al-Isha and before Fajr. So that entire time there is a time for Qiyam al-Layl. Okay? It is called Tahajjud 
if you go to sleep first and then you wake up and pray, that prayer is called tahajjud. But the entire night is called qiyam al-layl. I mean, the, this prayer that is done during the night after Salat al-Isha, before Salat al-Fajr, that is called qiyam al-layl. So, what can you do? Some people say, well, I'm not a half of the Quran. Well, neither would a majority of the Sahaba, the majority, were not hufaf at that particular time. Uh, that is not a condition for you to be considered to have prayed the nights. If you memorize, for example, from Surah Al-Asr, just Surah Al-Asr, Surah Al-Nas, you can pray with Surah Al-Asr to Surah Al-Nas. Those are that's 12 surahs. You can pray 12 rakahs and then finish with one for Salat al-Witr. And the Prophet وسلم, is established in Sahih Muslim that he prayed 13 rakahs. Now, his normal was to pray 11 rakahs. We're not going to get into how the night prayer is prayed. That's a different topic. We're talking about how to prepare. How do you prepare from today? We're about a week away from Ramadan. Start now reading over the tafsir of some of what you've memorized from the Quran. So that when you recite the Quran, you're not speeding through it. You can actually go from Surah Al-Asr to Surah Al-Nas and you'll pray just about as long as they pray in a masjid. 45 minutes, for example. How do you do that? You do that by contemplating what it is that you're reciting. So when you say, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, wal asr, just stop. Don't, wal asr, don't read like that. Wal asr, let it sink in. What am I saying here? I am saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is swearing by al asr. And al asr is not just time, it's al asr which is a specific time. The specific time being the evening. So it's after the, it's the afternoon, but now we're going into night, which is a reminder that time is running out. The time is running out. Well, by the time that is running out, it's going away. It's about to be night. Day is going to be over. Life is going to be over. And then there is night. Indeed, mankind is in loss, in loss. And so you think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. Wait a minute. This whole life, I'm, I, me, me, my family, my children, we're all at loss except for those who have these following four qualities. When you recite Surah Al-Asr that way, you're not going to recite it in five seconds. And then you say, Allahu Akbar. And you stay in your uh, rukur. Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim. Subhana Rabbi Al-Azim. And the other adhkar that are mentioned in rukur. And you can stay in rukur for a minute, for longer. Samiyallahu liman hamida. Rabbana wa lakal hamd. Hamdan kathiran, tayyiban, mubarakan fi. To the end. And then you make sujood. And you can stay in sujood for a long time and make dua. And the correct opinion of the scholars of Islam is that you can make dua and sujood in any language. So if you don't, if you don't, if you don't know Arabic, like if you can't make the dua in Arabic, then make the dua in any language you like in sujood. After you say Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, Subhana Rabbi al-A'la, you want to say it ten times, twenty times. Make your salat count. And guess what? I genuinely believe that you will find this very rewarding. Yes, it's not the same as going and praying in congregation behind the imam. But a lot of times we allow the imam to do the heavy lifting and we don't do any work for ourselves. We after Salat al-Maghrib stuff sambuses down our, you know, uh, kepsa and everything else. And we just go to Salat. You can't even think about the salat because you've eaten so much. And then you just let the imam do his thing. 
you wait till kunut and then you wake back up a little bit and you just say ameen 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 and then khalas salam out to the right to the left and mashallah yani we've st stood the night and this year is going to be different this year you're going to have to take some initiative to work and and what i'm saying is each person does whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them the ability to do if you are a hafidh alhamdulillah lead your family in in salat if you're not a hafidh but you've memorized a good portion of the quran then lead them with what you have memorized in the quran it is not a condition to do a khatmah in the salat for you to get the reward of those whom the prophet sallallahu said whoever stands the nights of Ramadan with Iman and seeking Allah's reward, that they will be forgiven of all of their previous sins. You don't have to do a khatmah to get that reward. Is it best to do a khatmah? Absolutely. That is what some of the scholars have deduced from the hadith of the Prophet where he mentions that Jibreel would come to him uh, during Ramadan and they would they would study the Quran. The Prophet would recite to Jibreel and, and they would complete the entire Quran. So from that, the scholars say that the khatmah in the salat itself is something that is uh, desired. However, if you cannot do that, that's not in your ability. Do what you can and be ta'ala, you'll still get that reward. For those of you who may know how to recite the Quran well, but haven't memorized much, it is permissible for you to hold the Mus'haf, that is the one that is leading the Salat, uh, not the ones behind him, it's better that they do not hold the Mus'haf, but that he holds the Mus'haf, leads, leads his family in Salat, or leads himself in the Salat, and inshallah ta'ala you will be amongst those who are forgiven for the, their previous sins. Then the Prophet went on to say, وَمَنْ قَامَ لَيْلَةَ الْقَدْرِ إِيمَانًا وَاحْتِسَابًا غُفِرَ لَهُ مَا تَقَدَّمَ مِنْ ذَنْبِهِ And whoever stands the night of Qadr with Iman and Ihtisab, then his previous sins will be forgiven. And from that, we, you know, when we look at the practice of the Prophet ﷺ, and what we understand is that here a person should, should worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the majority of the night of Laylatul Qadr and only uh, stop for those things, uh, uh, for example, that would, uh, that are necessary. Like, you know, he's got to eat something. He, uh, for example, you know, whatever else a person needs to do. But other than that, other than that, that they should spend Laylatul Qadr uh, doing as many ibadat as possible. Uh, for those uh, who might be asking about, you know, uh, if if I can hold the mushaf in my in my salat uh, uh, during the salat, can I use the phone? Uh, because we have a mushaf on the phone, for example, that is permissible to use the phone. Uh, anything else? I mean, you don't have to hold the entire mushaf. Sometimes people have a uh, a tenth of the Quran, for example. Sometimes there's each juz, you know, set it doesn't have to be entire mushaf. So if a person wants to use their phone, then that is fine to use the phone. Tayyip, I, I want to end this talk. I, I actually wasn't planning on speaking for uh, for as long as I have already, which is almost 40 minutes. And the reason because I actually have to give a khutbah and, and not too long, inshallah. So uh, I'm going to wrap up with some general advice about preparation for Ramadan. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive me for my shortcomings. There's a lot that I would have liked to have said, uh, but don't have the ability to get to at this point. So I'm going to, you know, hopefully give some advice. This advice is for me first, and hopefully you all benefit from it. And uh, maybe if there's anything that you're going to start writing down, then I would recommend that you start writing down from now. The first piece of advice that I have in terms of preparation for this Ramadan is to begin from today rekindling your relationship with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do not wait for Ramadan to start reading the Quran. 
So start from today, preparing yourself to lead yourself in Salat. Start from today, getting your tongue loose with the Quran. Start from today, reading the meanings of the Quran in whatever language you are more familiar with. Start from today, reading the tafsir of the Quran. Start from today. And if not today, because it's late wherever you are and you're going to sleep, then from tomorrow. But don't wait until the beginning of Ramadan. Start getting in the habit right now of rekindling that relationship with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because ultimately we are fasting this month of Ramadan out of shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having revealed this book to us. This is the month of the Quran. We need to spend as much time with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as possible. So if you are a hafiz or you have studied the Quran before, alhamdulillah. If not, don't despair. And don't think that you can't memorize the Quran because you haven't in the past. Go to mukrit.com, M-U-Q-R-I.com, or find some other website. Mukrit is really nice, alhamdulillah. Not al-mukrit, but mukrit.com, and it'll take you to the English version. And you can set what sheikh you want to listen to, which ayah you want to listen to, how many times you want it to repeat and so forth so that you can get used to reading the Quran. All right. Start that from now. That is one of the things that is necessary for preparation for Ramadan. To build on that, make yourself a list, make a, a list of goals that you have for yourself in this Ramadan. Those goals should be tangible, meaning you should be able to measure those goals as you are going along. So don't just make abstract goals. Like, for example, if one of your goals is to become more thankful in the month of Ramadan, okay, set, set aside a tangible way to measure your gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For example, the Prophet said, Whoever doesn't thank the people hasn't thanked Allah. So make it a goal that you thank your spouse at least 20 times a day. Believe me, you can find 20 things that your spouse has done for you throughout the day that you should be thankful for that we normally take for granted. We normally take them for granted. SubhanAllah. And we just think that it's um, something that, the, that my wife is supposed to do or something that my husband is supposed to do. So be it. Even if it's something that they're supposed to do, should we not still be thankful for those things? Even though it's my obligation to do A, B, C, and D. Wouldn't it be nice if the other person was appreciative of the fact that I'm fulfilling those obligations? SubhanAllah. So the reality is, is that thanking one's spouse Thanking your children, thanking your parents, subhanAllah, so that you become used to giving thanks. That you start, because when you start giving thanks, when you start, you start to pay attention to some of the things that you haven't paid attention to before. My point is, if you want to become more thankful, don't just write down on a piece of paper, I want to be more thankful. Set, set tangible goals for yourself. The, the other thing, and it's directly related to what we just talked about, is during the month of Ramadan, you need to be spending at least an hour a day trying to memorize the Quran or reviewing what you have already memorized of the Quran. And it would be best if the entire family did that at the same time. Make that an objective for you this Ramadan. Figure out before Ramadan, make a schedule, figure out when you're going to use certain times for what. If you come together as a family and you read Tafsir. Now, Tafsir Ibn Kathir is in English. It's the summarized version. But Tafsir Ibn Kathir for a lot of people, especially uh, for younger people and for people who don't have a lot of patience, Tafsir Ibn Kathir can be a bit involved. Tafsir Sa'di, commonly known as Tafsir Sa'di, is also available in English in 10 volumes. It's, it's an easier read than Tafsir Ibn Kathir. It's a different style of Tafsir, and I recommend it highly. And you can get it on PDF, you know, if you don't have the the um, hard copy available. Take some time, spend some time 
with your family as a whole, reading this, you know, rekindling, redeveloping that relationship with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The book of Allah is not just Arabic words that only Arabs can understand, or only people who understand Arabic. Yes, you, to, in order to get the full meanings, you're going to have to do a deep dive in Arabic. But what I'm saying is, yes, there's a blessing for every letter that you recite of the Quran, but it means that much more, and it has that much more benefit when you actually understand what you're reciting. And you understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us because that's where the guidance comes from. That is, the, that is where the, the guidance uh, that you need in your life comes from, understanding the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, so the first thing is start from now, you know, reading and reciting the Quran and getting your tongue loose and so forth and reading the tafsir. And number two is to develop a schedule that allows you to take advantage during the time uh, during the daytime of Ramadan and spending that time with the Quran. The, the third thing that I think is very important for you to do from now is to start memorizing a dua a day or a dua every other day because Ramadan is also the month of the dua. Uh, of dua. You'll notice that the only passage, as I mentioned before, uh, in the Quran that directly uh, addresses uh, the month of Ramadan, there are five ayahs. Okay? It begins with, Ya ayyuladina amanu kutiba alaykum siyam, which is the, I think the, it's in Surah Al Baqarah, maybe the 183rd ayah, maybe 182nd, 183rd ayah. And it goes to, Uhilla lakum layla tasiyam, arrafatu ila nisa'ikum. It has been made permissible for you to be intimate with your wives during the night of. Ramadan. So that's where it stops. So it's from the 183rd ayah to the 187th ayah. Five ayahs. Right there in those ayahs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ If my servants ask you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, about me, I am near. أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ دَعْوَةً I answer the dua of the one who calls upon me when he calls upon me. And so Ramadan is also a month of dua. And the best duas are the duas of our Prophet So spend some time starting from now uh, looking at the duas that you can make. Uh, and and I, would, I would recommend starting with Adkara Sabah wal Masat. Those duas that the Prophet made consistently in the morning and in the evening. Uh, start with those du'as because those du'as, you're going to start making them in the month, yani starting from now, and you're going to increase gradually. Don't look at it and say, oh my God, 20 du'as and I got to learn these long ones and so forth. Let, take your time. Memorize one by one. But as you memorize it, incorporate it. Because once you memorize it now, you're saying it every morning and every evening, it becomes a part of your life. And then you do that with the second one and the third one and the fourth one. By the time you finish Ramadan, you now are spending, for example, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, calling upon him. You will gain his protection. You will gain his aid. You will gain victory from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you are remembering him. So take the time, take the time to start from now in making those dua and incorporating them and figuring out a time specifically that you will begin to uh, memorize them in the month of Ramadan. Now, that being said, those are just some practical things that you can do. Scheduling is very important. And the Muslim is very diligent and keen on not wasting his or her time. As Al-Hasan Al-Basri rahimahullah ta'ala say, Ya bin Adam, inna ma anta ayyam fa'idha dhahaba yawmun dhahaba ba'duk. Oh, son of Adam, you are nothing but days. And if you look at our construction, we are constructed of days. I mean, I, I, yes, physically we're constructed of, you know, 75% water and, uh, you know, cells and so forth and flesh and bones. But, but if you look at what our lives actually are, we are what? We are days. Every day that goes by, a part of us goes, and we get that much closer to our lives being over. 
And so a Muslim is keen. You got to take advantage of, of your time. And doing so requires that you have some type of schedule for yourself. Now, last thing, because uh, we've gone over the time that I dedicated to this. And if there are any questions, I'm going to ask that the administration send them directly to uh, my phone because I'm, I'm not able to read them off the computer. So if you can send them to my phone, I'll answer questions for another, uh, you know, five to ten minutes uh, max, inshallah. But I, I want to leave you with this point here. And that is, it's not always about what you do. As I mentioned before, taqwa is about what you don't do as well. So from now, delete all of the time-wasting apps that you have on your phone. After Ramadan, you want to bring them back. And you want to waste your time, that's your business, but respect the month of Ramadan. We're not talking, I'm not talking about here halal and haram. And so haram should be left, period. Okay? But if there are things that are halal, you want to play a little game. Grown-ups playing video games, I'm not, I don't understand that concept. But even for the children, get rid of your video games. It's the month of Ramadan. No Netflix, no television, movies. Like get rid of that stuff. Get that stuff out of your lives. It's a month. Dedicate that month to the Quran. Dedicate that month to dua. Dedicate that month to reading things that are beneficial. Dedicate that month to helping yourselves grow and develop as a family. You know, don't spend so much time consuming news. We, we are not government. We don't have any say in what goes on. Okay, you need to know world events. For what exactly? Are you changing the world? And, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm not trying to talk down, but we have to be realistic about what this month means. We can't you want, to, you want complete days. You want to be complete in those days. You want the complete reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, it's very important um, that you know we take advantage of our time in Ramadan and part of taking advantage of, the, of that time is cutting out the fat. Get rid of that stuff. You know, things that aren't going to benefit you. A whole bunch of social media. Okay, fine. If you're listening to YouTube videos and you you know, you're benefiting from those during the month of Ramadan. Okay, but don't do the rabbit hole YouTube thing. You start with one video and then subhanAllah, four hours went by. You don't even know what happened. And you're not using your time for you. You know, again, a lot of times what has happened in the month of Ramadan is we've gotten used to allowing everybody else to do the work for us while the masjid was open. And now we've got to take and do some work for ourselves. In fact, and I'll say this. Uh, a lot of times the iftars are very nice. And the Prophet said, For the one who fasts, he has two times of enjoyment. One of them is when he breaks his fast and the other one is when he meets his Lord. Part of the, the beauty of iftar is the communal element, right? We get together, we break fast together and so forth. Uh, that's not happening this year uh, in most places, if not in all places. But... But they, that may be a blessing in disguise because a lot of times those uh, social gatherings can sometimes devolve into things that are not pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it's backbiting and showing off or whatever else it might be. And so now you're going to have a little extra time because you're not, you know, cooking these elaborate meals for, for neighbors and, you know, each family trying to outdo the other family and so forth. And, and now you, you may have a little more time. So the, the point being is this. Take advantage of your time. Get rid of the fluff. Get that stuff out of your life. And be idnillahi ta'ala. That will help our spiritual growth during this month of Ramadan, which is definitely going to be different than the ones that we've experienced in the past. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lift from us this balat, this trial, and to allow us to appreciate his blessings subhanahu wa ta'ala and to make us from amongst the righteous and make us from amongst the guided who guide others. I'm going to look at the questions here. Uh, one of the questions says, can one read from the phone instead of the mushaf? I did answer that question. Yes. If you have a mushaf on your phone, it's permissible to hold the phone and read from there. If that is, that is for the imam. As for the ones following the imam, uh, there's no point to uh, hold the mushaf. Just listen to the recitation of the imam. Um, and that would differ in the scenario where the imam is reading from his hivd in the masjid and he needs somebody to follow behind him, but only that person. Type. Next question. If one is diabetic, is fasting compulsory? 
uh, diabetics are of different types. And so I'm not going to answer that question in general. I would recommend that each person who has diabetes, who has not fasted in the past or, um, you know, has not consulted their physician in the past, that they consult their physician uh, dealing with that uh, question. Uh, next, advice for new Muslims who will be experiencing their first Ramadan. I would actually say new Muslims this year may actually have it easier than the rest of the people because they don't know what they're missing, right? SubhanAllah. So uh, they don't know that experience of, you know, that that the communal element of Ramadan. But, but my advice to them uh, would actually be, my advice is actually to the people who know those new Muslims who are not new Muslims themselves. Make it easy for them. Try to help them work through what they have to do, you know, uh, in terms of making sure that they're up for suhoor. Uh, because it's very important that that meal, especially for people who haven't fasted before, you know, the, the longer days. It's very important that they get the meal of suhoor and uh, helping them uh, occupy their time throughout the day with things that are beneficial so that they're not constantly thinking about the fact that they are uh hungry or that they're thirsty and I, I believe that that's very important for the first five or six days after that they will grow accustomed to the fast themselves uh perhaps you know um some type of meetings online where there's some quran study uh that is done for the new muslims uh online that would be very beneficial and that could be led by you know somebody who who has some degree of knowledge but doesn't have to be somebody who's a you know bona fide talib ilm the idea is just to occupy the time reading tafsir al-Sa'di or, or something else along those lines. The, the new Muslim is not different from any other Muslim uh, in that sense, in the sense that, you know, spending your days fasting, spending your nights doing some type of prayer and avoiding those things that are displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Will one get the reward per letter if reading the English Quran? Uh, the reward that was mentioned by the Prophet ﷺ per letter is for reading the Quran in Arabic, which is an encouragement for those who do not know how to read Arabic to take some time to learn how to read Arabic. Many people, uh, and Alhamdulillah, you know, we have experience in this area. A lot of people are able to learn how to read the Quran in three months or less with very little daily effort, meaning that it doesn't take them a long time to learn how to read the Quran in Arabic. Reading the Quran in English is still very beneficial, but there's no specific reward for it. But it is without a doubt rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you are striving to learn his deen and striving to learn his words. Can me and women pray same jama'ah in different rooms of an, of an apartment due to lack of space yeah as long as you all are in the same apartment building and they can hear you and they can see you and or in other words they can see the movements or they can hear your recitation and be able to follow you the stipulation is that you are all in the same place okay and uh, you know even if you are in uh different rooms of that apartment that you are still all in the same place, that you've congregated for that purpose, and that they can follow you. Sheikh, when we're reading the Quran and Salah, is it wrong to look at translation to understand what we are reading? Yes, it is not correct to look at the translation while you are in the Salah itself. Um, so you should do that before the Salah uh, and just try to understand. You, you'll start learning words as you go along. And the Salat has its own taste. So the same way that when you would go uh, pray any Fard Salat, you're not um, reading the, uh, you, you know, you're not following, you know, with the, with the translation. You also would not do that uh, in the Nafila Salat. Is it okay to leave fasting for a 74-year-old if she has stone in kidney and needs a lot of water during the day to flush out the stone and also high blood pressure? Uh, so this would be considered a temporary illness and they can break the fast and make up the fast at a later date. If the 74 year old uh, is somebody who has reached the point where they do not have the ability to fast at all, like and, and not just right now because they have a stone in their kidney, uh, then they are going to do kathara for every day. 
and that kafara would be to feed a person for each day. Uh, a needy person for each day, not just any person, but a needy person. If they give them dry goods, it needs to be half of a sart, which is approximately uh, a kilo and a half of whatever it is that they choose, whether it's rice or something else, or they can they can feed them a meal. That is if they don't have the ability to fast at all. But if this is just a temporary thing, for example, she fasted last year when she was 73. She expects to be able to fast a little later once her health gets better. Then she doesn't have any kafara. All she has to do is make up the days that she missed. And Allah knows best. What to do if someone worries about what will happen during this COVID-19 time? Our business will be affected and so on. So how to motivate this person? That's beyond the scope of what we're talking about today. Hopefully somebody else can deal with that question. Um I really have to stop now. Just answer this these this last one. Can a person have intention fasting for Allah and losing weight? The the intention needs to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone for the month of Ramadan. It needs to be for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. The fact that may be secondary in their mind is that inshallah I'm going to lose some weight as well. That doesn't affect the the ikhlas that does not affect the ikhlas the fact that it's in your mind that oh hopefully I can also lose some weight. But the fast should not be for the purpose of of losing weight. What's the Nasiha on performing etikaf in current times? There is no etikaf because there's no message. Etikaf has to be in the message according to the uh, the scholars of Islam. Can my 13-year-old son lead us in Salah because he knows more Quran than me? Absolutely. Uh, the 13-year-old can lead you in Salah. I have to go now. Jazakumullah khairan for tuning in. Subhanakallah.